Hello guys and welcome back to another installment of Galley Stories, Stories of the Bering Sea and Beyond. I am your host Mark Kaler and today we have the uh, mate and the deck boss from the Great Pacific. Uh, we're going to call you I guess first mate today. Okay, sounds good. If that, sound, if that sounds alright. Uh, Dana Cox. Dana, how are you today? I can't complain. Beautiful day. Excellent. Now you've been caught up on several of the episodes anyway so you pretty much know how this format's going to go. So, as I normally say, let's dive right into it. Where were you born and what brought you into the industry? Well, I was born in the small southwest town of uh, South Bend, Washington, about three and a half hours from here. Uh, I grew up there until I was about 12 years old. And, uh, my mother remarried and moved up the highway about 30 miles to another small town, Logan Town, called uh, P.L., pronounced that way like a p and an l and that's where i was born and raised and i still live there now any water around lots of rivers okay yeah so what brought you to to the industry itself well i uh my uh, working career started right after high school i wanted to go to college i had uh, all intentions on going to college but problem was i liked money and I'd, i liked girls so the way to get those were to go to work. Anyways, I, uh, in our town, what uh, every young man does that doesn't want to go to college, he goes to work in, in the woods. And that's what I did. I went to work for Warehouser. And logging. I logging. I worked there for 12 years before I started this. So you were 18 or 19? 18. 18. Yep. And how, that's, a, that's another industry, like there could be an entire new branch of podcast just about that industry it's just just as dangerous just as fierce how was that a, 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 that experience as an 18 year old kid oh it was exciting i mean back especially back then that was uh i graduated in 2000 and started started uh logging for warehouser in 2001 and i just remember all my peers all my older peers and uh people that I respected highly in my community had nice homes had nice cars and wife and kids and had land and, and I wanted all that and they had it well the short story of it that's what got me into fishing well inflation logging didn't keep up with inflation we were working hard cost of everything was getting higher and we weren't making any money i needed to make more money so that's what got me here was uh the money's still here fishing and that's what i wanted to do so you picked up a want ad oh yeah sorry no <laughs> well the story goes my dad and my stepmom come to my daughter's fifth birthday well i blew the motor up the engine up in my uh, pickup and it was sitting in the driveway and my dad asked me why I didn't have my why my truck wasn't running and I said well I need to get a new engine for it I blew it up and he's like well why don't you get that done I said well I can't afford it right now it's like what do you mean you can't afford it well I got a mortgage I got two other car payments I got two kids now and it's just I'm not paying the bills that's when my dad told me he said you need to come fishing and boy you know I thought about that a lot. And I watched the show, you know, I watched Deadliest Catch. And I've always looked at it and said, you know, and they always, you know how at the end of every episode they talk about how uh, how much money each crew member had made mm -hmm. and how long they were gone, this and that. I'm like, man, I, I, I really think I could do that, you know. 
So when my dad put that little, little bug in me, and then every day I was going to work and I was coming home and we were paycheck to paycheck. Wolves are always knocking at the door and it just sounded better and better. And finally one day I was, uh, I was driving a log truck at the time. See, I worked on the rigging for six years and then I started driving log truck for six years. That's what I did there. And, uh, I remember sitting on the landing one day thinking to myself, just thinking about all the bills I had to pay, what I got to do to make everything work. Finally, I just kind of snapped. I called my old man on the phone. And I said, I'm ready. I said, I want to go. He said, are you serious? I said, yeah. I said, I'll put my two weeks in right now. I've had enough. I'm sick of not being able to pay the bills. And, you know, of course, my old man, you know him well, but uh, he gave me he gave me the real rundown. You know, you got to be this, you got to do that, and you better be serious about it. If I'm going to take you under my wing and show you what I know. And I told him, I said, I was willing. I, and I, I'd already talked to my wife prior to talking to my dad about it, and she she's had enough too. Well, you got to got to talk to the boss. Yeah, I, I just want to reiterate real quick. Your dad, guy, your dad's guy Cox. Correct. Very well respected guy in our industry. Okay. And so, ha- having him as your in, that's pretty. It's a pretty good in to have. Yeah, it sounds. It sounds. Yeah, it sure was. Yeah. Yeah, it worked out great for me. But uh, yeah, so my wife was, you know, our marriage was on the rocks. It, it was times were tough, you know, but. Uh, so I got, my dad said, let's do it. So uh, he said, I got to make a few phone calls. He had just got gone from the El, whoop, the Eldebron. He worked at Trident for 10 or 11 years on the Eldebron. And then an opportunity came open on the, uh, the Great Pacific. And he knew a couple of the guys over there. And he, he went over there. They were getting repowered. They're getting, you know, everything was getting redone. Anyways, and they needed it. They needed a, a new guy, a new deckhand, a greenhorn. So I was the guy. And so you with your dad the first year? Yeah. How how great was that? Uh, or how bad was that? <laughs> well, you know, all the stuff that I learned from my dad was amazing. I find myself now, you know, I still haven't been in this industry that long, but. I've learned a lot from him, and I find myself all the time using a lot of the ways that he taught me the way that I use on my crew now. And uh, my wife tells me, it's probably daily, he goes, you're just like your dad, you're just like your dad. And I'm like, no, I'm not, nothing like my dad. But anyways, but I, I find myself using, you know, a lot of the things that my dad did that he taught me. I find myself doing the same things because he taught me right. Mm-hmm. No shortcuts, just do it right the first time. Don't have to come yeah. back again. Yeah, measure twice. You bet. Finish it once. So you've been so you, the Great Pacific. You started that was six years ago then. Correct. All right, so thirty years old when you were starting. Right. It's good. It's good to be starting on a Pollock boat at thirty. Better than a crab boat at thirty. Right. You know. Right. You know what I mean? You'll get some more years out of it anyway. Right. Uh, so. Uh, Started about the last six years you've been doing Pollock. Yep. You guys tender it all in the summers? Or nope. Nope. Just straight? Just strictly A and B season Pollock. Mm-hmm. That's it. I've worked for a really, really great company, and that's that's just all we do. So how long, how long are you gone? Uh, well, let's see. A season starts, what, January 20th, and we're usually home two and a half, three months. 
and then I and then bee season starts June 10th or something like that. I, I don't know. So it's a uh, I don't know. It, it can go anywhere from five and a half months at work throughout the year, split up to six six months. But that's about it. How's that been for your marriage and your family life? It saved us. It completely saved us. It saved it saved my wife and I's marriage. It, and uh, you know, with my kids, you know, everybody asked me, "How can you be away from your kids that much?" I'm saying, "Well, let's do the math on this. How how long am I actually gone? I'm actually home more. When I when I was at Warehouser, when I was logging." I was gone way more when you add the numbers up. And my, my quality of time home, it's uncomparable. You have the finances to do the fun things. You got yeah, that. the time to really invest into just being a parent. Yeah, and when I'm home, I'm home. I, 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 remember, I remember getting home. I'd leave the house at 3 o'clock in the morning and then uh, get home around, you know, in the wintertime, 6.30, 7 o'clock at night, and it's dark. I remember jumping in the shower You'd be in your underwear, sitting on your easy chair, eating your dinner, trying to talk to your kids, trying to talk to your wife, and being so you'd fall asleep with your plate, your wife taking the plate out of your hands, and that's where you'd sleep on the chair. Mm-hmm. So, and then on the weekends, you got to try to cram. You got three acres, you got a house to take care of, you got two kids and a wife that you got to cram into two days, and then you you know you got to you want to try to make a vacation time, and boy, it just doesn't work. Right. And then you can't afford it anyways. So, yeah, that part of it wasn't wasn't uh, very spectacular. Game all. changer. Yeah. Yeah. So in the, in the six years, uh, everybody's got a scary story. I mean, even guys that only been up for three months. There's been a time at, during that point of time when they were scared. Do you remember, first of all, the first time that you were scared? The first time I was the scared? The first time. Not the scariest time. The first time. The first time. Well, the first time was the day I walked on the boat. Because the boat, you got to remember, the old captain retired and the new captain took over. And the old captain knew he was retiring for a while. So there was a lot of stuff. you got to remember, I've never even really been on a boat, ever. And uh, so my interview happened right over here at Foss. The boat was up in the ways. It's getting, it's getting repowered. And I remember my dad meet me outside the gate and I, I, I remember my head was just a mess I didn't I didn't know what I was going to do but he was going to take me on the boat and I had to go get interviewed in the wheelhouse by the big boss the captain the mate at the time and my dad didn't want to be no part of it so he he stayed away from that part but I remember coming across the gangway and just looking at the boat I mean it's a, it's in the yard it's just fucking thrashed apart i've never seen anything like i'm like this is where i'm gonna i had you know i i've watched like i said everything about fishing i've seen on tv or heard from my dad and, and it sounds pretty comfortable you know and looks pretty comfortable but boy what i walked into was and i was scared i was shaking i went up and these stairs were steep and there's two flights of stairs to get to the wheelhouse and the wheelhouse is big and there's the captain and the boss and the mate and they started asking me questions, you know. I, that was the first time I was scared when I when I seen what I was going to be a part of, and I, I was I was really questioning my decision. There's nothing like walking into a boat and shipyard, though. I mean, everything's torn apart. Winches are torn apart. There's grease everywhere. There's just stuff that doesn't even belong on deck. That's right. everywhere. Welders are going. People are needle gunning. There's so much noise and racket, and nothing's where it should be. So it all looks disorganized. So I can imagine that 
as, as that being the first introduction versus seeing a platform all ready to go. Right. You know, and in Shipyard, she probably didn't have a coat of paint on her yet either. So she, she had just been out three years with no paint and just beat the hell out of and chipped up. and Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But it, so that was, a, I mean, I like to tell that story. You know, people ask me at home. I, I, I tell them stuff like that. But uh, the really, truly first time I was actually scared was uh, when we left Seattle. So we had a the new repower. It, it was over a five-month shipyard. By the time we got everything done, we were going to go into A season in the middle. We were They were plans of us missing the whole season. But uh, we got done. The welders were... When they kicked us off the dock, the welders were literally welding plates back on the side of the mast. And as soon as that welding lead came off the boat, they shoved us off. We we hadn't we hadn't we had to do our drill still. We had to, you know, we we had all kinds of stuff. We haven't really ran the boat much, but I remember that night. I think it was like February 17th. But uh, we came through and we were in the locks. My my fam, my wife and kids were there. My stepmom and I remember the kids were real little then. They were running up and down the locks, you know, screaming. I'm on the I'm on the bow at the time. That was my spot. And uh, I remember it was dark. You couldn't really see me, but I could see the lights of the locks. And anyways, I I see the kids running up and down, and it started snowing. It's the first snow of the uh, of the winter. And. Uh, I remember I didn't know I didn't know where I was going, what I was getting into. It scared the shit out of me right there. And then uh, I remember we left, we got through and we left town, and we got we got through the straits, and the weather came up right away. And I've never seen anything like that. I remember about the third day of the weather, and we were getting our asses kicked right away, and there was alarms going off. Everybody were trying to trying to fix the bugs and. And, and I didn't know what was going on. I was just, go do this, go do that, go grab here. I need a, I need a, a wrench. I need. And this. you're thinking everything's mission critical. You're running everywhere. Oh yeah. But anyways, like the third day, uh, Captain Dan comes up to the wheelhouse, and I'm, I'd stand right in the middle of the wheelhouse, and I'd hold on there, and he and he said, he goes, when's the last time you went to sleep? I said, I don't know, Dan. He goes, well, he goes, have you left here? So I would go from the port side. Uh, wheelhouse chair to the middle when I get my legs would get tired I'd go stand over there or go sit down but uh, he goes you've been up for three days he goes you need to go to fucking sleep now well nobody told me my dad was tired too you know like he was all over the place then there was so much stuff going on but uh, he told me you need to go to sleep because nobody told me when I was supposed to be up when I was supposed to sleep when it was my <laughs> turn staying awake. you know because with all the crap going on, we didn't have like a normal wheel watch. You know, it, it was like my dad here, Dan here, Scott here. Everybody was all a part of it. And I was just kind of frozen in time, just watching everything. So I always tell the stories like, you see, I always, the new guys say, see these uh, finger, these fingernail prints in the wood in the teak right here? Those are mine from holding on for three days straight. And the captain made me go to bed. <laughs> so, but, uh. So that's, I mean, that's normal stuff, but the scariest, or do you want to know? Yeah, yeah. The worst time? The worst time. So what the, was the, that? The pucker factor. The puck, pucker factor. Well, that was, well, it's the same, bless their, their souls, 
but uh, it was the same night that the destination went down. A couple, was it a couple ACs ago? January two, uh, two, two, two years ago. Yeah. yeah, correct. We we actually we when they came out of the spit, we were leaving Dutch Harbor the same time. For some reason, our captain actually took a video of them. They were we we were steaming side by side, and uh, they took. They took a left, we took a right. We went, uh, we kind of went north, northeast. They went northwest. They went toward St. George. But I remember it was it was a shitty night. I remember it was going to be cold. We were planning on going out. We knew the weather was going to be shitty getting out there. But the plan was, once you get there, it's going to be okay. It's going to come down. We're going to be able to fish. Ain't going to be no problem. Well, we 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 got up there that night, and. Uh, we got got on fish quick. We had a little crew meetings like you guys want to do this. Weather was shitty, and it was freezing, icing conditions, and and uh, we all agreed. I was kind of, I was kind of in charge of that decision at that time then too. And I said, yeah, we can do it. I said as long as you you go slow cap and uh, we'll take our time. Don't rush anything. We'll do everything safe. We'll get it done. So we set the gear. We go in the house. You know, we get everything went fine. Well, about it was a it was a quick it was a quick tow, like two hours or something like that, and we were full. How big of a bag on? 125 ton. Okay, yeah. So we're hauling back, and we get we get up to the first zipper. All all the weather's hitting us. I think we're I think we're towing, like I think we're towing south, like we're towing almost directly back towards Dutch, and all the weather's coming on the uh, starboard side. Everything, we're kind of in the ditch. We're trying to stay out, but it's just not working. Sometimes you just can't control that part. And dragging 125 tons. Right. And we get the bag up on board. I work on the starboard side. I run the deck from the starboard side and communicate with the chief. He's up forward on the port side. Anyways, and, uh, well, the bag comes up on board, and the boat rolled, and it, it's almost like it's stuck, like you got stuck in mud. It just kind of froze there. It just froze. And uh, next thing you know, I look around. I'm up to my waist in water. Water comes over the boat all the time. It comes in and it goes out the, the scuppers. Well, this time it didn't go away. And I look up. I stand up on the rail. And I'm looking up at uh, Captain. And then I look over. I'm looking up at the chief. And everybody's just kind of froze. And I go, hey. I said, I'm said I'm up to my fucking waist in water something's wrong here and uh well the captain screams down in the hailer he says hey chief go down and check that number four wing tank on the starboard side he goes we we must we must have that's just buoyancy we don't have we never put fuel in there or nothing he said either we put fuel in there or we pumped the whole water in there yeah well he said, he, so the chief runs down, he comes back up. He goes, there's nothing in there. I'm like, well, what, what the fuck is it then? Well, we had a, quite a bit of ice on the starboard side of the boat. And the chief says, it's ice. I said, bullshit, it's not the ice. That's not that much ice. I've seen a lot more ice on this boat than that. Anyways, I didn't argue. We grabbed the ice hammers. We went up on the bow. We started so on the bow. you're still listing. You're still... Oh, we're laid over. The bag's dangling there. I was, I was ready to cut cut the cod end open and dump the whole shittery and see if that would work. 
get rid of the fish. But we weren't we weren't that quite scared yet. But uh, we were trying to come up with a solution to the problem. And uh, so we go up there. We spend 45 minutes busting ice from the bow all the way to the stern. We get and I knew it wasn't a problem. I I just knew it. It was just not enough. We bust the ice. Nothing's happening. Well, in the meantime, the captain goes down the shaft alley and goes down to that number. It's all the way on the back of the boat, stern, on the starboard side. And he, he comes back up. He said, that fucking number four wing is full. So we're trying to figure out what to do. It's like, well, we on our fuel manifold, we can hook a hose up there and suck it right out and pump it overboard. It's just water, fuel. It doesn't matter at this point. We're fucking, yeah. we're going to roll over. Yeah. And the weather's shitty. Yeah. And, well, uh, and you're in the trough. You're, we're in the trough. Yeah. I mean, we can't get out of it. Well, then we come back. So it, I get. To, in comparison, it's kind of like driving a, a truck pulling a 20-foot rig behind you. And your tongue just got 10 feet longer. And it's windy out. And you got no control over nothing. Roger. Yeah. Roger. So, and then I come back up on, out on deck. So, we start dumping a little bit at a time. We start dumping the fish. I'm like, let's just see what happens. We start getting rid of fish. We start dumping fish, and the boat just, it kind of wants to come back. But not all the time. And then I, I just happened to look behind me. Well, here was the, here was, there was a bunch of, everything, all the cards were stacked against us that night. Ice, ditch, water, in Weather. our number four, in a, in a, you know, in a buoyancy hold, uh, and then I look behind me, there's two scuppers that are aft there. And one was stuck shut. A wave hit it and slammed it and got it stuck inside the combing. And it was stuck shut. The other one was stuck open. So essentially, we had a fucking water pump running on the starboard back deck with all the other crap going on. Yeah. So then we went and got, I figured that out. We ran over there and we got a rod. We beat beat that scupper open and all the water went out it, just that quick it, it went out it was so then we just ended up dumping the bag just like normal the boat was still had a little bit of a starboard list but but uh it, it came back and it was not really a problem we were heavy over there but we ended up i think that you know we were all a little bit freaked out so i think we just went with half a load into town and then you know had the divers come down and yeah found a hole well what would happen is uh years and years ago way before us before any of us were on the boat they punctured they punctured a hole in that uh number four wing tank with a door landing a door one night they had a little rough night then and they had a hole in it and it filled up with water well when they when they fixed that they, obviously there was a little bit of water left in there and it ended up rotting a hole in the boat over time that nobody knew they didn't open it up and check it enough so anyways that was the scariest night there i had uh my best friend which is the the new chief engineer now ryan ryan that, that was his that was his first time on the boat i think it was like his third trip so he was on there that night that was two he years was ago. on there yeah don't, don't make the mistake of calling him brian don't call him brian he's not okay with that <laughs> but uh yeah that was i remember he he was on the uh port side He's standing by the weight chain. Did he come over, pocket. as chief? It was it was a plan long time ago. I, I put in place where I thought he was essentially going to be our chief, and it's it's worked like magic so far. 
So. So he already had some previous experience then. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. So go not fishing, there. but mechanically, shit like that. Sure. But uh, I just remember the look on his face, and and I remember getting to town after that, and we were getting all that stuff fixed. He 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 said he, I remember him telling me he's like, so. I get to go fishing for my first time and I'm going to die. My first trip out. My first season. He's like, I was going to, I'm going to, this is where I'm going to die. I remember because he, uh, he, he has a great big beard, right? This is during the event? Yeah. And I remember looking over him. I was, I was not panicked, but I was not in a, I was not feeling good about the situation, but I remember looking over his fucking beard was frozen sideways. He's got this great big beard. And, <laughs> it's and got to be his, a foot long. Oh yeah. His eyes were that big around yeah, he was a little bit panicked, and we all were, but we we, we lived through it, and uh, we learned from it, and then, man, we we the boat's gotten nothing but better since it, and we've got it all figured out and replaced, and we're just good as gold right now. Excellent. Knock on wood, you know. Excellent. So, I want to give you a chance to freestyle. Okay. I don't know what that means. It means just give me another story. It doesn't have to be a scary one. It doesn't have to be a great one. Just something memorable or... Huh. Let's see. I don't know. What do you... you got those favorite stories you like to tell? Oh yeah, got lots of. Uh, we've got uh, a little Vietnamese guy. He's our net man. He was actually one of the main net builders for 21 years at Hampton. Okay. And the guys, the guys, he's a rock star, net man. He's and we own him. He's ours. We love the guy. I wouldn't want to be on the boat without him. But we were doing a safety drill one time. And his always cracked us up. And you got to be careful with this guy. His English is okay, but he takes everything that you say. He doesn't understand our sarcasm, you know. And we're doing this safety drill. And we're talking about a, we're doing a man overboard. And the the captain's going, I don't care. He goes, you know, throw shit in the water. Do you see him? Throw everything on the boat, anything that you can grab Throw it in the water. If there's a hammer, just throw it towards the guy. And I, I said, wait, 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 wait. Time out, Cap. You cannot tell fucking Thomas to throw a hammer. I said, I might be holding on to the side of the boat, and he'll throw a fucking hammer at me. I said, <laughs> we, now we just went from a, a guy, man overboard to a Head unconscious <laughs> man overboard. I was probably going to crawl back up on the boat, but until the guy hit me with a hammer. you got to be careful. you, you got to be literal with this guy. So, I mean, there's stories like that. We've got so many. I, I don't think you got enough time to... I, I can't believe I've only been doing this six years, and I've got stories stacked up. But... You got you got some fun stories? Fun stories? Yeah, your, oh, well... Had some good days, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, me and my uh, chief engineer, my best friend... Uh, That's Brian. Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> I had to throw that in there for him, um, so when he listens, he can... We... Uh, so we had uh, we got to town early one time. It was his first bee season, and uh, it was a beautiful day. We had we got we busted our ass, got all of our work done at the dock, and we still had like two days in town. It's like, well, let's go let's go fishing. So uh, we got a little skiff. We we went out one day. Him and I we drove over. Have you been to Dutch Harbor? Oh, yeah, many so, times. So, you know, like if you're going towards Safeway, you look across and there's the waterfall. So we took the skiff out there. We trolled for, for uh, pinks and sock. well, sockeye. But anyways, we caught, we caught pinks. Then we went rock fishing. We, we set a crab pot. It was just a beautiful summer day. We, we drove all the way over to the uh, waterfall. 
and uh, climbed up to the top of the waterfall. I mean, it was just, I mean, stuff like that. I mean, those are the memories that I have that I like to hold on to. And there's then guys, there's guys that pay thousands of dollars oh, to do that. That's what we always joke about. It's like we could go out and just take somebody on our little skiff and take them and catch rockfish. These sea bass are, you know, five to eight pounds. And we, you catch them, you could throw a freaking beer can uh, tab on your hook and let it fl- flutter down and catch one every cast. And we, that's what we always say, too. So, But we, we came back with our limit full of freaking, uh, what we're, we're catching snow crab, and we had to, can't keep the king, so we had to throw those back. But we had our limits of crab, sea bass, pinks. And then we caught a bunch of uh, uh, juvenile black cod too. They're they're running in there. We we're catching the shit out of those. But that's my wife's favorite, man. Yeah. I so we come back that night, and uh, the relief captain was running the boat at the time, and we we just pull right up beside the boat and bring the crane down and pick up everything off the boat. And we we were stuck filleting fish until like fucking six in the morning I mean, we just had so much stuff that's a tough that's a tough life to be stuck filleting yeah. that fish like, so, yeah you're gonna take home as a home pack yeah i mean stuff like that we get to enjoy stuff like that and then the you know just the when you leave town and uh when you leave town and the weather's you know the forecast is shitty but the the man upstairs has got a you know he's got a good plan for how we're going to attack it and when that when when the plans work out and you come back and you ain't got three days worth of gear work and bullshit to fix and you got a boat full of fish you didn't go sideways didn't go sideways in the trough and yeah and you get it done i mean you kind of you come back to the dock you you feel like somebody that's what i love about this job it's like every time you complete it's like you complete a mission you know when you get back it's like yeah you you really did something then when you when you go home and you see your wife and your kids they're proud of you they're proud of what you've done they, they know about it. How old so, are your kids now? My daughter, Sarissa, is uh, 13. My son, Bronson, is 11. And uh, they'll be listening to this. And uh, Do you see that this in their future? My son. I always tell him he's going to be my deck boss. Because uh, his grades are okay, but he's not crazy about school. My daughter is just off the charts good he, at, at school. And they're both really stud athletes and stuff like that so i'm chasing them around with sports stuff like that i always i try i try to use it as motivation for my son bronson bronson yeah i try to use it as motivation for him to try harder in school but i i got plans on bringing him up in the summertime already and and i think he's going to be like like his old man like i'm like there's my a old lot man. of guys that are taking their kids up in the, in the yeah sun. well for tendering yeah you know it's kind of a more mellow environment uh some of them, uh, Casey McManus, his, his son's yeah. going up at seven and eight years old. Oh, yeah. You know? and, uh, it was like Jack. Jack's stories. You know, well, Captain Gus, Jack. Gus has been on a boat since yeah. he was six months old. Oh, I love that story he tells. Do you, do you know Gus very well? No, I, you know, I've never met him. He is this, he is the, I gotta say, he's probably the most level-headed younger man. I mean, he's not, he's not a, he's not a kid for sure. But, I mean, he's just got everything dotted right down, you know, just, he's been on the water so long. Right. You know. Right, but he's been going since he was just nothing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I love that story. You know, I've got to meet Jack a few times, and uh, he's told me some of his stories. And he tells tells me that story about Gus when he came home. You know, that's when he was fishing ten, eleven months out of the year, and he came home, and I think he said Gus was eight years old, 
and he gave him a wedgie or something. You've probably heard this story. My panties? He called him his panties. He, he said, he told his wife, walked in the kitchen, told his wife right then he's going to he's going to Alaska with him he, next he did, season. He yeah. called him his panties. Missed a month of school and everything. Yeah. I, I just think that's great. I still tease Gus about that. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, there's no reason not to. I mean, I mean, this is one of those trades. I think that I've been trying to uh, push the envelope. I mean, we're I'm from a little tiny town. It's like logging or nothing out there, and the logging industry is just I'm not recovered. It's it's just down. The, it's gone. I mean, especially warehousers. It's like the evil empire of logging. That's where, and that's what owns our town. Now our t- our town's turning into a ghost town because they're downsizing and they're turning it all into this REITs, this is this real estate investment company, and they're all they're doing is uh, they're owning the land and contracting everything off so it's kind of getting rid of all the you know the loggers where i'm from so nobody can afford to live there but uh, i've I've always i'm always trying to encourage the kids that are coming out of high school there where i'm from it's like come on there's this industry that's that's when i got into it i started looking around i'm pretty observant you come you come to the dock you look at the guys running the boats you look at the guys running the decks you even my old man, I mean, he's going to listen to this, but he's not. You think he will? He's not exactly. I don't think he's listening to one of these. He's yet. not exactly a spring chicken. He acts like it on the boat. I mean, he he moves. Gets, like he it. gets around just fine. But there's an expiration date to everybody's career. I mean, so that's why I've I've been trying to encourage these younger kids, especially from out where I'm from. You know, like Elmer Luce too. That's I live 15 minutes away from Elmer. It's like, if you guys don't got a plan, try it out. Why don't you tell? Why don't you explain it to them now? Because I'm sure some of them are listening. Well, what's your suggestion for them? My suggestion would be, for one, contact if you know a local fisherman that's up here in the Bering Sea or even in Bristol Bay or something like that. Uh, and if you're interested in it and you don't really know what your your plans are in the future, contact them. If you know them, contact them and ask them about it. And uh, it, it there's there's money to be made. I mean, it's just like my chief engineer now. Him and I, were, we took our boys fishing one day. We were parked on this old logging road, and uh, he was doing some job that he wasn't real happy with. And we were walking down the road. The boys were running up ahead of us, and he said, hey, what do I got to do? You know, come do what you do. And uh, I said, are you serious about it? He said, yeah. He Same was, thing your dad said. Are you yeah. serious about it? And he was dead serious about it. I said, hey. It's gonna take a while," I said. "I'm gonna I'm gonna work on it though. I promise." And there he is. And now he's just as happy as and proud as I. He's probably more proud than I am. I mean, I'm very proud of what I do. But so is so is Ryan, not Brian. Brian <laughs> Brian don't give a shit about it. Ryan cares. But uh, but yeah. It, but the, for the young men and women too. I mean, if you want to get into it, I mean, there's money to be made. It's it's a career. It's a it's a family. It's a family. It's a family thing. I it mean, really is. When you see other fishermen, whether they're crabbing, tendering, stuff, you guys, you know, we all kind of uh, have respect for one another. You know, I understand that you know crabbing's a, a lot more physical, demanding job, and this and that. And but uh, you talk to some of the the crabbers, and they they'll tell you, you know, they know that our job's a little bit, you know, tougher mentally and this and that and but uh it is it's one big family and and you can make a career out of it you can raise a family on 
on fishing. Well, it saved your family. It saved my family. Completely did. Well, what's your wife's name? Just Tanya. Tanya. Tanya, yeah. Still together? Beautiful, beautiful uh, Polish woman. Yeah. Yeah, we're still together. We've been married. We just celebrated our 15-year uh, anniversary in September. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, we're doing good. Do you any more kids? Or are you just just the two and deaf? Oh, she might have, I don't know, she might be one nine months away. I had a pretty good weekend. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're in ship, so you you just came back from fishing, and now you're in shipyard for how, probably, what, another two months or a month and a half or so? Oh, no. You going to January? They told us they want us done by this Friday. Oh, great. We've been here already for two months, and... Uh, it wasn't, this is the first shipyard, this would be my third shipyard on the boat, and this is the first time it hasn't been something catastrophic where it's been. Third shipyard on the boat? Yeah. In six years? Correct. So you're doing every two years you're having a shipyard? Well, the, we had to we had to do one short. We had to do a short one, or a quicker one than normal, because we had a, a catastrophic steering problem. We had to come to Seattle and get fixed. So that, we came a year early. That's why I'm in my third shipyard. But... Yeah, I'm learning how to do the yard. I know there's lots of old salty dogs out there saying, oh, I'm a fucking kid. I've been in 25 shipyards. And well, you know, it used to be when you were in shipyard, you weren't paid for it. Right. That was labor you did to right. keep your spot on that deck. Right, right. You know, so nowadays, though, you still get paid for shipyard. Well, you know and why they pay you for shipyard now, though, because it's, it's cheaper than the insurance and fucking you getting pissed off and walking off the boat and say you've rolled your ankle. I mean that's my that's my philosophy on it, but yeah, we get paid and we're happy. I would be there regardless. I would be there. My uh, so I went from making, well, I was driving log truck for warehouser. I was making twenty six bucks an hour. Then I went to shipyard, my first shipyard, to making twelve dollars an hour. You want to talk about the wolves calling? Oh yeah, knocking yeah, on the door. That's right, because when you first came, they were in shipyard. They were in the yard. How long? How long did that last? Five and a half months. So your wife's going. I'm not sure we made the right decision here. But my old man was right there saying, hey, wait till you get fishing. It's going to work out. And I was stressing, you know. And, and you're the not guys, answering the phone. You're... And the guys took care of me, you know, my dad, my captain. As long as you work hard for somebody, they'll, they'll take care of you. I mean, it was, that's what I love about it. It's a family. I mean, they'll take care of you. Even, you know, I was grinding my ass off with my dad. I was within, like, <laughs> two feet of my dad for 12 hours a day you know and my dad when we were in the yard too we'd we'd work 12 hours then everybody would leave all the vendors would leave and then we'd punch out and then that's when the work began then we cleaned the whole fucking boat for a couple hours before we were done old old man's old school which is great it got it gave Did me some great any more values. words out of him because he doesn't talk a lot he's pretty he talked to me too much i think yeah i think he talked to me too much we were stuck together. I had to do it. We had to work together, clean together. Then we ate together, watched a movie. It was just rinse, wash, repeat. Groundhog Day. Five and a half months. And we, you know, he was driving me to work. We were driving back and forth from work. You know, we'd, we'd leave four o'clock on Monday morning, stay all the way till Friday, drive home Friday. I'd get to maybe, a lot of times we were working Saturdays then too, but. Yeah, but my I always like this. Uh, I'd always ask my dad where a tool was or something. Where, where's this, Dad? I, I'm looking for this. He would just look at me and he'd say, 124 feet. That's how big the boat is. What the fuck does that mean? That's how big the boat yeah. is. It's somewhere in there. Find it. 
That was the best thing about being in shipyard for that long is I knew where everything was. If somebody needed when, something, I knew how to go get when, it. When everything's torn apart and you got to put it back together, that's the best learning experience you can get yeah. is when, when it's torn apart. Yeah. Well, it's better to tear it apart and then help put it back together. <laughs> yeah. But uh, definitely that hands-on experience, you can't replace that. Right, right. So we're pushing our time here. Okay. Dana, uh, any, anything else you want to cover before we wrap this up? Uh, any shout-outs? Any? Uh, Shout-out to my, uh, like I said, my wife, Tanya, and my beautiful daughter, Sarissa, and my knot-headed boy, the curly-headed midget, Bronson, and uh, uh, Captain Dan, G-Dubs. You call him the best captain up there. You said that before we started recording. That's, it's, I've only been on one boat. And as far as, I mean, catches his fish, he's got a plan, he's got a mission. He uh, runs a tight crew. If you don't cut the mustard, he, he, the way he says it, he lets you hang yourself. Um, And he's been teaching me, I mean, I've moved up the ladder probably faster than most. Just by pure attrition, because I've just, I've stuck it out. Um. But he's the real deal. He's the nicest guy you'll ever meet, but he's also the toughest guy you'll ever meet. And I'd love for you to interview him. He would be a great interview. And I'm sure all the my uh, fellow fishermen out there, especially the captains, they would love to hear a, a galley you, story you, from you Captain that, Dan. You hear that, Dan? Uh, just reach out a little bit, and we'll get this thing done. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I love this industry. It saved my life. It saved, it saved my marriage. Um and uh, put me in a really good position to be successful for the rest of my life, and I'm and I'm happy to be a part of it. It was a game changer. I mean, it was a Total. definite definite game changer for you. Total. So, would you change anything about it? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. I mean, I'm moving along, like I said, faster than normal, and uh, I'm just going to keep my my nose to the grind and and see where it can take me. And I'm going to just keep going, and and uh, I want to be a part of it, and I want to be a part of it moving forward well sounds like you're pretty rooted in it and you're going to be so uh with that i want to just make sure that we do cover the bases and saying that uh if you're going to eat seafood eat wild alaska seafood oh man and if it's not wild alaska seafood at least make it wild yeah you know none of that none of that farm stuff right? yeah absolutely not i mean that's one of my wife's main things she looked at a menu she, she we like shrimp it's always is it farm is it this but i gotta say especially I was a I was a big halibut and cod guy, but once I once I started to eat pollock, like the they sell the pollock and shatter packs. If you guys have never tried it, I mean if you like cod, it's the same thing. It's actually a little bit better. It's it's a smaller fillet. It's easier to cook. You don't especially if you fry it. Well, it's a white fish, so it's going to take delicious. any seasoning you want. It's delicious. It's gonna, you know, it's going to just absorb it. Yeah. I want to make sure that I give a shout out to uh, Pinka Jane. Uh, she actually started listening just a few weeks ago. Met her at a, another uh, live recording in a podcast. And uh, she sent me an email. So I just want to make sure we give a shout out to her too. But, um, well, anything else you want to cover? We're pushing it here. No, I'm good. I, good? I, I thank you, Mark, for uh, uh, contacting me and asking me to come over. I appreciate it. And I'm, I'm glad to be a part of it. This thing's pretty cool. I love listening. Yeah, it's, it's fun. It's yeah. fun. Uh, you know, just get those stories before they're gone. Because exactly. just like the night that you were scared uh, back in January when we lost the destination crew, that, yeah. those are, there was, we lost a lot of stories there. On, on that note, I forgot about that. Um, so in our fleet, uh, another shout out, it's 
the Great Pacific, the Alaska Rose, the Bering Rose, the Sea Wolf, and the Destination. The Destination's a big pollock trailer, big bud boat. So we got that call after we got our stuff all figured out and settled in and figured we weren't going to roll over and die or go in the water. But uh, we got a, a, a call on the radio that the, the Destination's E-Bird was off and there was no Mayday. And, you thought and they true. were out there with us. So that was, I mean, it doesn't change that it was still a tragedy, but it, it hit really close to home for us because, you know, I we didn't even know there was another destination at the time. We didn't know that there was a, a crab, crab fishing vessel. There, yeah. We didn't know. I mean, we even though we were running out with them, we didn't pay attention to the name, but we that was, and my heart goes out to all their uh, the families and friends that uh, lost their friends that night because we thought that we lost for Some a brief really moment, you felt that. Ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, all right, guys. Well, uh, we're gonna cut it off here, and thank you all for listening. Uh, Dana, thanks for coming and sharing your story. It's been it's been epic, actually. Cool, thanks. Uh, appreciate so I, that. I appreciate you taking the time. And with that, guys, uh, this has been another installment of Galley Stories, Stories of the Bering Sea and Beyond, and we will see you next time.